0: So I have to say you're very courageous. <laughs> I never thought we were going to come in a snowstorm in the middle of April. <laughs> we had already 70 degrees in Atlanta. Anyways, I'm going to continue. I'm just going to read out of Acts. but Again, I think that's what I'm going to do. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost has come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and they filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed themselves, and they rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And to begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege to be here with Jaco and with Catherine and with everyone here, Crystal and Laura and Gary and Lucrista, and Lord, that you have. Our brothers and sisters, we, these things are more than meeting. It's a knitting and a bonding of the Spirit of God to uh, make us understand that we are one family, that we have one Father, that we are brothers and sisters. Look, Lord, that we are people who are truly called for such a time as this to make a difference. And I pray, O oh God, that as we are here, it's not the eloquent words we're speaking, but Lord, is the revelation of who you are as you uh, reveal your heart and your life to bring forth the bonding and the desire and the longing which cannot come because we sit and eat food together on our tables but because you have spread the table even in the presence of our enemy Lord as we can eat and partake of your goodness and eat and partake of your sweetness and Lord that we can come out of this place and say you have satisfied our soul and stimulated our spirit so that we can run the race, O oh Lord, and know that we have not lived in vain, that every crisis in our life has brought forth a purpose and a destiny. Lord, that you have brought growth and development and that you have made a salt. Lord, salt, you have said you are the salt of the earth. And I think that this church are going to create a thirst in Canada, a thirst in Toronto for the reality of the sweetness and the sweet waters of life, and so, Lord, I thank you that we can be a part just for a little while to be a part of this family, for be a part of this heartbeat, for be a part of this life, Lord, because you have crafted us in for such a time as this, and for such a season. so Lord, I ask you to bless this church abundantly. you know the dreams and the vision of this congregation, and I pray, oh God, that this church will burst out that this church cannot contain your abundance and your goodness that this church will see the heavens open that this church will be rooted like a tree upon the water where the fruits will never fail that this church will be a lighthouse on a city sit on a hill upon the city that this church might walk forth in the power of your spirit lord I pray that the blessing be upon them that everyone who joins this church will taste and see how good the Lord is because you have truly a flow created here so for watering the dry grounds and to produce life for God and a more than life, abundant life. So bless your word, I pray, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. And you know then you see that the Holy Spirit has done in Pentecost, he has done three things. Now, the outpouring of the Spirit has tremendous effects in our life. Now, first of all, yesterday I spoke on the wind. Now, a wind you cannot see unless it's a tornado. But the wind has a feel. You know that the wind is there. You can't touch it. You cannot hold over it. But you can see the effect in your life as he takes anything and everything which is not uh, secured and uproots our life. Now, the same The second thing which I want to speak on this morning is the fire. Now the fire is something different than the wind. God always uses in the Old Testament wind and fire as very prophetic. Uh, Every Old Testament prophet knows God to the fire and knows God to the wind. And it's the first time ever in Elijah as he stood in a cave. That was an amazing thing because these strings are evident in the prophetic wind, fire, and then finally he heard the voice. It's the first time he heard the small, still voice. And God spoke to him on a total different level of the manifestation and revelation of who he was. Now, I believe in this day with fire is made visible. Now the fire is very much important because even Moses remember when the Lord spoke to Israel, the first thing God called Moses was out of the burning bush. As he spoke out of that fire and what happened with the fire, God did not call him but he waited to see if Moses would go to look what this phenomenon was. That there was a bush burning without being Consumed. And you see, this is the power of the fire that we can be five. God puts a fire within us without us being consumed because there's a fire creating to the Holy Spirit by His power. Now, you can't see when you look at the prophets, you or even in the Testament, Old Testament, when God dealt with Israel, the fire in, in, on the mountain and He revealed built himself in many, many levels. And you know Isaiah, when you see what the Lord does, he takes the coal from the fiery furnace and he touches the lips of the prophet because fire speaks of purification. And when the Holy Spirit comes with fire, there is a passion. And with the passion comes a purification of what God wants to do in our life. Now in 1 Corinthians 3, 3 I think thirteen, thirteen, 13 it says, or three thirteen, The fire will test the quality of each, each man's work. Now when you see the fire come into your life, you deal with two things. With the heat... And you deal with the ashes of your life. Now, the, the fire is very important because it's not just when, when you say the Holy Ghost comes, He baptized us with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's not just passion. You see, sometimes people think the fire is passion. That's, the passion is not enough. God uses that fire absolutely to produce two things, a, a aroma and the heat. And He but is not valuable for eternal, for eternal life. Now, I realize for one of the things which the Lord does to the fire, He must create an aroma in our life. You see, so many of us, we have no aroma. We like plastic flowers. We have, we are visible, but we have no smell. Now, for instance, I remember some of the people I get to know throughout the years, one of the uh, relatives of David's, uh, uh, of David's family, uh, she uh, was uh, in, uh, trained into perfumes and all that kind of thing. Now, uh, as she started to open a spa, it's very important that you know the right smells. And what they actually did for you to learn the right smell, they would blindfold you so that you don't learn the smell to seeing. But that you learn the smell because you smell it. You can't believe how many of us identify the smell. You know it's a strawberry, not because you know what a a strawberry smells. You know what a strawberry looks like, and then you think that's what is the smell. Now, some of you, if I would blindfold you, you wouldn't know the difference between a strawberry and an apple. If you only smell it, or a strawberry and a pear, if you only smell it. Why? You don't identify the smell to your nose, you identify it to your eyes. First you see it, then you identify it, you smell it, and then you see it's a strawberry. Now, what they knew, what they did for them to smell right, they would blindfold these beauticians and they would take artificial aromas and natural aromas, and they had to learn how to smell. Now, every one of them, because we're all city people, guess what? They would identify... The uh, artificial smell, and they would think strawberry is an, uh, because it has an artificial smell. They didn't think it's strawberry, but they didn't know what a real strawberry smelled like or a real pear because we have been so artificial-oriented that we lost the ability to really identify the aroma of flowers or of fruit. And this is something with many of us. We look good, but we have no aroma. Now, how in the world am I going to produce an aroma, a smell, a stimulation? Now, the first thing God was stimulated by, after Noah, he saved Noah from a wicked generation. And he came into the ark, and he was in the ark, and here was Noah, and he came out after 40 days going to the trials and tribulation, and wondering what tomorrow holds. And he comes out, and the first thing he does, he brings a sacrifice. And as he brings a sacrifice, you cannot bring a sacrifice without fire. And that's why God showed the tongues of fire. Because he's going to teach us what it is to be a living sacrifice. Because we're no longer dead sacrifices. We're living sacrifice. And for you to be a living sacrifice, you have to have an aroma. You cannot be a living sacrifice, smell dead. Now what happens? What do they bring? They don't bring cakes. They don't bring honey. They bring meat. Now, meat only smelts when it is burned. If you take meat, you cannot bring God raw meat. Because raw meat without fire stinks of death. Raw meat without fire, unless you make biltong or you go to a smoking thing. But you cannot take a steak. And hold it for days and or whatever it is and say, I preserve it, because eventually it stinks to like death, and you have to throw it away. And you see, what brings the aroma is the fire. So the fire, what happens as Noah brings the fire in Genesis chapter eight. God was moved by the aroma. There was not even incense in. It was just the fire who produced the smell which stimulates appetite. What what stimulates your appetite in your life? You might not even be hungry, but if you come into a house and there's a turkey in the oven or there's a ham in the oven, suddenly something happens to your stimulation. You want to eat. Now today God's people don't want to eat. Because there is no spiritual stimulation, we actually force feed people today. We stuff it down their trade throat, and we educate them. But there is no appetite, no appetite, because st- appetite comes to stimulation, to aroma. And when you come to the churches today, we think we create an aroma to music. You can't just create an aroma to music. Music awakens you. But stimulation comes to fire. There has to be fire in the music. There has to be fire in worship. There has to be fire in this life where you experience an impulse of God's power in your soul. You know, so Many of us are so dead. When we come to the Lord, we have to sing your life. But that doesn't mean that you're ready to give. Of what God wants to do in your life. So I say, Lord, hear what Noah do. He actually, I must read it to you in in Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and the sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply." And fill the earth. Now look at what happened. And then he said, the fear of you, the terror of you, will be on every beast. Imagine that. One sacrifice shifts dominion. It shifted dominion. Remember, man was dominion, had no longer dominion over wild enemies or animals. We had no longer dominion as we ate of the fruit of knowledge. Everything was shifted. And judgment, the earth didn't yield anything. And one sacrifice, one smell, shifted it. It gave people, man, dominion over the wild enemy. mad animals. Imagine. God gave us dominion over lions and snakes. He gave us wisdom and knowledge how to reign and rule upon this earth so that the fear of the ravishing nature of man, of animalistic things, could not rule us. One sacrifice. And yeah, imagine now what happened. Here, God comes and He comes and He comes with the fire. Holy, He brings the wind and the fire and He challenges us to move into what the Lord does. Now, in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable unto God. Now, how on earth are you going to be a sacrifice living? What a lot shifting here. What is he saying? How am I going to become a living sacrifice? What does it mean? His sacrifice means a victim. His sacrifice means a victim. You choose a, you choose a lamb and you choose a ram and you pick the best, not the blemish, the best. And they have no choice. They pick it. And it becomes a living, it becomes a sacrifice, not a living one. Surrenders their life so you can live. But Jesus shifted that. He died for me so he did not have to die. What does it mean for me to be a living sacrifice? To have the fire produce aroma and stimulation in my life for God to move in my life. And yet I said to the Lord, I ask him. Because there's many sermons on there. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Become a living victim. Imagine us, we don't like a victim mentality. But if you become a living sacrifice, you really give up your choice. You learn how to surrender. You learn how to yield. To let the fire of the Spirit to have its effect. And you know, the Lord took me and he taught me something about a sacrifice in Genesis chapter 15. Now here's Abraham. This is the time of the covenant. And you know, we are all in a covenant relationship with the Lord. Today, many of God's people, you cannot live by passion. Because passion alone is not enough. We have to have a covenant relationship, and you have to understand passion in your heart don't need to be involved. If you have passion, you do it because you have a simulation somewhere in the life and the impulse in the spirit, but a covenant relationship, your heart has to be involved. So when we make a covenant, what happens in marriage? When you go to trials in your life in marriage, what happens is every trial in your marriage, what, what does the enemy do and what does our flesh do? It will harden our hearts. So when we get a hard heart, our covenant is not workable. Because a covenant has to be made to a soft heart. You can never make a covenant with a hard heart. And the Lord speaks about how our hearts are hardened. And when our hearts become hardened, we can no longer be movable. And God cannot do anything in our life. Because some of us, we want God. But our hearts are hard. So how, when David and I married 42 years this year. We've gone to many seasons in our life. And I said, every time we go to crisis, what happens? It doesn't affect only our pride, it affects our heart. Because when you go to a crisis, you harden yourself against the one you made a covenant in your love. And it's the same in the spirit realm. When you go to a crisis, what happens without you knowing and wanting it? You harden your heart towards God and the fire goes out. The impulse of the spirit have no longer power over you because your heart is hardened and we reject the impulse. We reject the fire. We reject God in our life. And you know how many of us we actually reject what we pray for. I pray many times. I tell people, don't pray what you don't want. And so often we have so spiritual prayer, but we're not there. We don't really want it. And what happens, if you pray for things you don't really want, you are in, 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 in war. You're in warfare, because you're not ready to receive what you want, what you think you want, because something has been stimulated within you, and you have not understood. So for me, for God to do these things in my life, I always struggle, because I need that. For me to have fire, I have to have the water of repentance, because that goes in hand. The water of repentance softens my heart so I can be stimulated by the heat of the spirit. And as I'm stimulated by the heat of the spirit, I can bring what? Make the fire visible. Make the heat visible. Fire is visible. Fire you feel Fire you cannot live without in your life. Now, I looked at this in, in, in Genesis chapter 15, and I'm going to tell you today what I believe. How are we going to keep the fire? That doesn't mean the Lord speaks to the Levites, don't let the fire ever go out. And it's a hard job to restart the fire over and over again. Because you have to go to a process over and over again. For me, I have to keep the fire alive. So there's not always uh, going out, turning on. Turning out, off the switch, on the switch. Just how I feel. Now, living sacrifice keeps the fire on for any cost. The fire that the fire can consume the things I offer. Now you, in the beginning, you have been the sacrifice. Then the fire came upon you. But in the 43 years of ma- of wedding, uh, of wedding, marriage, and 50 over 52 years of ministry, for me to keep the fire alive, it doesn't just come. You preach; it's a process. And you know, I want to show you something. Because Abraham, as he covered it, uh, went into the covenant relationship, where God changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. And father of the nations, as he changed his name, that covenant relationship, he taught him how to produce the fire. Now, I believe one of the key things we have not been Uh, really understood in our personal lives is giving. We get so nervous about giving and today I'm not speaking about money, understand. You can never have a fire without giving. It's impossible. Without giving you close the stove. You close the fuel in your life. Because every living, if you are a living sacrifice, you're not a living sacrifice because you pray pray through hours. Or you worship an hour. Or you come to church. That is not a sacrifice. That's supposed to be your joy. (laughs) That's supposed to be your desire. That's not a sacrifice coming to church. If that's your sacrifice coming to church, singing, praying... You don't understand at all. That's not a, you're not a living sacrifice because you come to church, you understand? You, the church is a desire. The church should be a longing. The fellowship should be something you want and you're not dragged in like a dead cat. You understand? <laughs> now that is not a sacrifice. The first thing is totally wrong. If you think that's a sacrifice, you have to start from A again. Because that's a result. That is what I want. My ministry is not a sacrifice. It's an outworking of my calling. You understand? And these things is outworking. It's not a sacrifice. If I lose the joy of ministry, I, I miss it. So these things is outworking of my sacrifice. So here he speaks. He, the Lord hears Abraham said. Maybe I should read you the whole thing. Oh, maybe not. So will you read it in Genesis chapter 15. In verse 7 he said, Abraham. And he said to him, the Lord said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He said, O oh Lord God, how may I know that I possess it? Now it's naturally. He gives them big promises and Abraham said, Now how do I really own it? How do I really get it? And here God gives him the answer. He said this. He said to him, "Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, a young pigeon." Then he brought all these to him, cut them in two, and laid each other a half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcass and. Abraham drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abraham, Now for certain that your descendants will be strangers, and, and, that, and the land of theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterwards you will come out with many, oppress- many possessions. Now I said to the Lord, now you have to remember all until this moment, this moment, God never told the children how to sacrifice. You could sacrifice what you want. We don't know what Cain, what Cain sacrificed. We, we know what he sacrificed. If what vegetables. Abel brought a lamb. We don't know what Noah sacrificed. We don't know anything. We just know if God was pleased or not on the sacrifice. But there was never a description what to sacrifice, how the fire came. And you know, you know through the Bible, sometimes the fire, you have to make it. Sometimes the fire fell from heaven to consume. It was always one purpose, to consume the sacrifice. So I said to the Lord, now, what's my sacrifice? What is my living sacrifice? How do I bring that aroma, produce that life? How? And the Lord gave me a real clear answer. He said this, you have to give. Now I want to show you something. What I believe, now the three and a half year heifer, it's a young cow uh, who has never carried a yoke. She could not have young. She had could not ever, ever, you could never sacrifice a cow who have carried the yoke or ploughed the ground. She had to be a cow who had not been burdened, had not conceived and had not delivered. And I said, Lord, what is that? How why do you ask that? And the Lord showed me something to produce the fire. I have to have freedom, it's not just giving. I have to have freedom to give. That young cow, that heifer, speaks of freedom. Because there's no yoke. There's no burden. And they have to offer something without burden in their life. And I said, Lord, what does that? And, and I think Sunday morning I'm going to speak on freedom. And I said, Lord, how in the world can I stay free? How many times when you serve the Lord you can get so entangled with people's emotions, people's opinion, people's idea, and it kills your fire. It kills it. And eventually you don't deal with fire anymore. You only deal with the ashes. And the ashes, and you don't even know how to deal with the ashes in your life and in people's life. It kills the fire. In some of us we have signs of fire. And signs of fire, ashes, don't smell good. We knew that there was fire. But the fire is out. Because, and I realized, Lord, the only way, you know what it means to give, freedom to give. You have to, to be free. You have to be able to depart. You know how many of us, we cannot depart from anything to to keep that fire but the first thing for me to cleave it's a promise God gave to Adam and Eve before they were married before they had a mother and father God gave in demand to Adam and Eve to cleave you leave you cannot cleave without leaving and you see many of us we don't know how to depart to enter you, you, for the free to give, you cannot give in liberty if you don't depart in the stead. You must be able to depart this world, to depart certain things in your life so you get free. And with, you cannot get free if you have no ability to depart in your life. It says this, a wise man departs from evil, but a fool rages and a self-confident. A wise man departs. You have to depart from evil. You don't overcome evil. You have to depart from evil. Now what's evil speak of? Evil comes out of sorrow. Every evil man, from Adolf Hitler to Joseph Stalin to Amin to Zuma, every evil man had experienced sorrow. Because evil is uncomforted sorrow. And if you have uncomforted sorrow, you will become evil. doesn't matter how good you are. Eventually, that uncomforted sorrow will give you no ability to depart from evil. Because evil will dominate my life. And the anger and the hostility, you don't pray it away. You have to depart from it. You have to leave it. Now, what happens when you depart from these things in your life? This is Proverbs sixteen seven: the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. Now, you can't overcome evil. You understand? When the Holy Spirit comes for you to be free and for me to be free, I gotta depart from evil. I leave it behind, I cling, I cleave, I cleave to him, I cleave to his purpose, I cleave. Now when you look at the love slave, the love slave is a slave, a word slave is something society don't want to speak about, and yet we have still slaves, sex slaves, people who are dominated, but don't say the word, no slave. I'm a slave. Why? Because I have departed because I choose. Every choice brings a depart in your life. You cannot choose and not depart from something. You have to make choices. You cannot make a choice without departing. It's impossible. You, every choice comes in your life which will stimulate your life to be depart something so what's a love slave every Hebrew needed to do what if he's a Hebrew and you got indebted and you become a slave or servant to other Hebrew family by the seven years you have to set them free And you know, through our testimony in Nehemiah, Ezra, as they returned back to Israel, and God was angry when they did not set the slaves free. But, when you know there's a love slave, what is that? A guy who set free, and he made choices to stay with his master, to stay with his wife, to stay with his kids because because you're free doesn't mean your kids get free or your wife gets free if you married her in slavery and you see what happened they choose not to depart but yet they departed from freedom they departed from that choice and they realize that they had to make the right choices in their life now in Matthew chapter 19:29 it says everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, will receive many times and will reward many times and will what? Inherit eternal life. Now, when you do anything in ministry, you depart all the time. You depart from your loved ones. You cannot serve the Lord without departing. It's impossible. You, You can only be free. When you're willing to depart. And that's what it really speaks of. That that produces what? A young heather is the freedom to give. You cannot be free without you. you have to. Give you. Some of you give money, but you don't really depart from your money. You see, you still have strings attached. You get mad. You understand? Now, real giving, you depart from. It's like you never had it. You don't even think about it anymore. To really stay free, and you will see how many Christians have to pray for hours and hours because they cannot depart. And when they have given, they feel even sorry about it that they have given it. And you know, and they say, then they only comfort themselves because they say, "Oh, God will bless me." You understand? You didn't depart. You just gave to get. You understand? Now, for me to be free, I have to what depart from these things in your life. Now, then the other one is a female goat. They had to give. Now, the female goat is all for the fire. The female goat it talks of producing wealth. Remember Jacob's dream. If in those days a goat was always something which was something which produces wealth in your life. Now, for me to produce wealth in my life, I have to give. Now, how do I have to give? You know what the Lord says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man shall give not reluctantly or under compulsion. That means enforced, mandatory impulse to produce an act. Because why? God loves the sheer giver. God loves a sheer forgiver. Now what you have to do, bring a sacrifice. How do I produce wealth? That I don't give reluctantly. Mandatory. This is a good thing to produce your fire in your life. If you want the fire more than anything else, you have to come to the place where you absolutely can give happy. And not reluctantly, because that will produce what? Not just wealth from without, wealth from within. I mean, what does it help you give and you feel worn out by giving? You have to depart from the things you want to possess. And you know, possession. And this is what Abraham, whereby, how shall I possess it? And the Lord teaches him. You're not going to possess it because you dream about it and you pray about it. You're only going to possess it when you release it. So you must give out a female goat, so your freedom to give, or the generosity of giving. You can give, but no, I know many people give, but it's a different thing to give generously, but give stingy. You can give stingy. Some of us, I wouldn't know if it's stingy or generous, but in your spirit, is generosity will always flow with abundance. Now, Crystal is very generous. Now, when we, Gomji comes from the East. Now, when we would live in the East, sometimes we would take people with us who maybe make one trip smuggling Bibles. And we would tell them about the suffering in the East. But the people suffer and we come into the homes and sometimes when we used to smuggle Bibles, we wouldn't have money and we would knock at the door at night and the people opened the door and they would climb out of their beds and we had to climb into their beds and sleep in their beds. They just got out. And then we would sit there and they would give us everything they got. And then people would say, well, these don't suffer. Look at this, they got so much to eat. And they, they never knew that they gave everything they got because they were generous. Then maybe the next week they had no food. You understand? They created an abundance out of their need. And that created wealth. Now some of us, we're not generous. We give, but we give portion. We don't know how to give generously. And that's not how much you give. It has to do with your spirit of giving in your life and you can see when you come to a church who is generous I'm not talking about money generous in every area of their life it creates a fire it creates an aroma because all these things are aroma remember it's a heat it's an aroma it's a stimulation of an appetite to see that people want to see what makes you tick and what you are in your life and then the next thing is a ram. Now, a ram is a male sheep, and it speaks of strength and power. It takes power and strength to give. I like this in Psalm 71, 18. It says, even when I'm old and gray, Lord, don't forsake me. Remember, David prayed that. We pray that. I always remind the Lord, Lord, remember how you got me through this? And when I see, I said, "Lord, you're going to take me all away. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O Lord. Until then, until I declare Your power to the next generation, you might to all who are to come. Even when I'm old and gray, what? How can I declare His power? I have to give." Give what? Give my power. Let his power. It's not by and power. I have done many, many things at different levels of power. You know, sometimes you used to have raw power. Power, muscle power and strength. But you know, muscles don't mean power. I see all these guys working out. They have huge muscles, but they have no strength. Don't think that they use these muscles. I see big muscle guys and the women carrying the loads. Yeah, all they want is to look good, sexy, powerful.
1: <laughs>
0: they all have strength. I remember in the beginning how we. I remember that. Uh, I think that thing is still on, but I watched it one season. The Survivor. And there's two guys, two people left, one guy with big muscles, and a little skinny girl. And what did they have to do? Stand on one leg on a pole. That skinny girl stood there. outstood <laughs> stood any That guy with the muscles fell down 10 minutes. <laughs> Dumped. Never got his million. Why? Because there's power many levels, you know? It's not just looks and working out a look. Good. It's a strength and the power. It only comes by giving yourself, by surrendering yourself. And I, I, I realized, Lord, you know what it says in Proverbs 3:27: Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it is in your power to act. Let me read it. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. You see, some of us we have power, but we withhold our power even to those who deserve it because we don't want to use it. And now you can see that many, many people don't use their power because we don't know how to stimulate it. It's a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to produce aroma and stimulation in your life then it says proverbs 24 verse 9 a wise man has great power and a man of knowledge increases power a wise man that is giving yourself a wise man has great power and a man of knowledge increases power you say in 1 corinthians 12 it says my grace is sufficient for you for the power is perfected in weakness. Now, what does your weakness mean? How is this power perfected? What does this weakness mean? That weakness does not mean that, that you sin. That weakness means that you surrender, that you feel your your inability, that you feel that you that you can't do it. My grace, my favor. My strength is not perfected in your strength, but in your weakness. In your, that weakness speaks of vulnerability. My power is perfected in your vulnerability. When you feel vulnerable, when you feel like you have no strength, my power is perfected. Now what is this? It's a ram. Remember how did the Lord test Isaac. When did he give him a ram? And in his weakness, he brought Isaac to the altar. In his weakness, he laid them there. Don't think he felt like a strong faith patriarch. He felt like a vulnerable dad who was in conflict, in conflict with Father God and in conflict with his promise, which the Lord gave him, son Isaac, a conflict. And he went and took that in his weakness. In trembling and fear, they went to Mount Moriah. That Mount Moriah is the same mount Solomon built his temple. It's the same mount for, for David in his weakness. He said, Lord, I choose you. I don't choose the strength of man. I don't choose anything, but I choose you. i rather fall into your hands than in the hands of God at that mount. That temple was built
1: with power
0: because men have found strength in weakness. And today, we have to find strength in our human weakness. We have to bring the ram. We have to surrender our strengths, our abilities, so that God can bring fire in our weakness. My, what did Paul say? He served him in weakness, in suffering, and he thinks he has experience. And then the last but not the least, he had to sacrifice a dove. Now that dove had to be sacrificed before she ever laid eggs. And the Lord speaks of what? Purity in giving. Purity in giving. The pure in heart shall see God. The purity in surrendering your life to the Lord in your life. That stimulates. Remember what happened here. They went, when did they been in the upper room? Every one of them could see their failures. Every one of them. Imagine you sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. You follow Jesus. You love in the distance. You hide from the soul of Roman soldier. You fear for And yet, as they came together for one purpose, to seek him, the promises came real. The spirit was poured
1: out, and the fire was revealed. Listen, fire
0: brings heat and aroma and ashes. You have to deal with the ashes in your life. If you don't. You know what? What yoke there was when you go to the gates of Nehemiah? There was a gate where you carry the, the, what was called, the gate called? The uh, dung. dung gate. That dung gate you had to go through to carry the ashes. You know what the priest had to do? When the car- a sacrifice was burned, he had to change his clothes. He could only wear linen. Because if you wear wool, the ashes would cling to you. You have to take the ashes and take it outside the gate. Because if I don't deal with the ashes in your life, listen, when the fire comes and it you consumes your flesh, it produces ashes. And if you don't deal with the ashes right, it will kill the fire. Not only in your life, and other people's lives. It's not enough to have an aroma in your life which shows that you had one's fire. Every one of us, we have to carry that ashes out and bury it so the wind cannot blow it upon you to kill the fire in other people's hearts and in other people's lives. Listen, the dung gate is very important. Because you cannot have stinky, smelly, and dead things around when God's glory is revealed. He will not reveal himself with deadness. You can have flesh. If it just, every one of us, if you have no fire, your good intention will stink eventually. It's when it consumes with this fire into this glory. That is when God will bring aroma simulation spiritual improdes, prophetic power tonight i'm going to speak on a voice because this is what the wind fire and voice and how important it is for us to speak that's one of the voices and power the devil has silenced us we don't know how to speak right and you know i realize how grow how Society has a language developed God hates. Hates it. He speaks clearly. Don't speak like that. And whole society has incorporated a language which defiles the Lord. Because it comes out of a stinking,
1: polluted life.
0: And you know the church, our voice has to be purified. And the only way it's purified is when I allow the fire, the wind and the fire. That's when Elisha did the still small voice. And when the still small voice comes, that is when the impartation power happens. The impartation power comes upon kings and prophets, upon a new dimension of God's fulfillment and God's glory. And I do believe it on my heart. Listen. You need to speak. You need to allow the Holy Spirit, me to to give me. I mean, how do you get revelation? And how can you see things? Listen, this is the only book, only book. You can read it and read it and read it, and you will never see it until you say it. John writes to the little children. He writes to the young men. He writes to the father. He didn't write different letters. He writes the same letter. But it's different understanding. It's different comprehension. It's different power. Why? Only as God opens it up to you and me. To see is not just letters. It's life. It's power. It's glory. Listen, God has so much for all of us. I'm just going to keep on running until God stops me. And David. Because there's nothing else to live for. But there be instruments in his hand for such a time as this. And you're born for such a time as this to make a difference. To make a difference. You don't need crowds. You just need to make a difference in one person. And that one person will make a difference in another person. And eventually,
1: we will have a generation
0: who not only know the gospel,
1: but Jesus Christ, the resurrected, the glory,
0: and the anointing. Krista, come and pray. Kutarabasaya. Kerabasantaya.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for thy fire, O oh Lord. We thank you that you consume all that what's not pleasing unto you. Thank you, Lord. Let us be a willing sacrifice. No matter where we go, no matter what, we do or turn, but only glory and honor comes to you. Lord, we just thank you for thy holy Spirit that what the enemy seems to want to destroy or whatever he want to do, he has no power because you defeated it to my blood, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that thy word going to speak in us. Father, I just thank you for that, Lord, even what we don't understand, that you just burn it away, Lord, that we'll be pure for, for you, Lord, and that we be bringing a melody to you. Lord, that our life will be a symphony because you the one that orchestrated. It. Lord, we just thank you that you built a new song within us. Nobody can sing it but just through our life because it's you. That always you come forth, Lord. We thank you for thy word and that thy word affect us. It affect us and even our family, Lord. That we not speak it but that we live it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit, just come. Just for one minute, just.
0: Close your eyes. Look inward. Just for one minute. What. Just contemplate for one minute. What it means. To you. To be a living sacrifice. Just for one minute. You know when you look at. Giving and receiving are twins. You can't give without receiving and you can't receive without giving. There's a big difference. When you give, you're blessed. But when you receive, you get rewards. And you see, God, when you give, God blesses you to receive. But you know what the Lord said? If you receive a prophet not the gift of the prophet. If you receive a righteous man, not the gift of a righteous man, in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a reward. Now, you cannot receive without giving. Giving is, God gave his only begotten son so that we could receive salvation, so we can receive life. So if we can give life. So others can receive it. So receiving and giving, okay, they're twins. You can hardly separate them. And God is going to join this together in your concept and in your ideas of living sacrifice. I think a living sacrifice means to give and receive. And when I give and receive, the fire and the aroma and the glow will become visible. And the warmth and the heat and the passion will become visible. doesn't matter what you do. Because it's not what you do, it's how you give. And how you receive what God has for you. So for one minute, just look in your heart. Maybe you have to depart from something. Maybe you have to give up
1: something. Maybe you have to embrace something. Maybe you have to become something.
0: That's all what the fire does. Give up, embrace, become. When I give up and I'm brace his purpose,
1: his love.
0: I become. I
1: become. Remember to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire is to be drenched, to be saturated,
0: to be filled, to become full. So I don't know this morning. Just making your heart and life
1: Allow God just to help you to release things, to embrace things, to become what He wants us to become, Christ like.
0: And I know that many of you are here, have great strength and great power. And the Lord says, Surely, my son and daughter, I have put you under Potter's wheel, and my hand is upon you. And you said, I'm just a lump of clay. And you have not known as I took that lump of clay and I've put it on my potter's wheel and my hand of authority have shaped and pushed you and squeezed you because you have said to me, Lord, use me and I squeezed you sometimes I squeezed you so hard that you cried and sometimes I squeezed you so hard that you felt like running away but you have stood on my potter's wheel and I have not let you go because I will fasten you and mold you to a vessel of honor says the Lord I'm going to fasten and mold you for my purpose and my destiny because I've created you for such a time as this and you're going to see right here in this church and in this place I'm going to fulfill a destiny and a purpose and you're going to look back and know that there's been a shift in the atmosphere that there's been a shift in your thinking that there's been a shift in your pursuit says the Lord because all this I have decreed, declared and I've decreed to have you brought you here for my purpose and destiny because I'm awakening you you have been asleep yet says the Lord and in your sleep you had a dream and in your sleep you had a vision but in these days I'm awakening you and you're going to run the race and pursue the race because you're called for such a time as this so open your heart, open your mind, open your hand and let me breathe upon you like I breathed upon Adam like I breathed upon the disciple to quicken you to move you, to use you in this nation and in other nations as an instrument in my hand. I say unto you, all what I have done so far is just the beginning. Because what I began, I'm going to complete,
1: says the Lord your God. Amen.